Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. We are in uh, Psalm chapter 23, and I'm going to jump right in this morning. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 23. Go ahead and get your Bibles. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you have made, and we choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. Father, I pray that each and every single one of us that we would not take for granted the gift of life. Father, we know of um, thousands and thousands of people all over the world um, in this past week that lost their life. Thousands and thousands of people. Father, even within uh, our country, uh, thousands and thousands in just this past week. So, Lord, I pray that every day that we wake up, Lord, that we would see life as a gift. Father, I pray that we would treasure um, our families. I pray that we would treasure, Lord, our spouses, that we would treasure our children, that we would treasure our parents, that we would treasure our siblings, that we would treasure our friends, that we would treasure uh, our church and our church family. Father, I pray that we would not take for granted the gift and the breath of life. And Lord, we know that tomorrow is not promised. So Father, we rejoice in the day. We rejoice in today. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you allowed us to see this day because you have a plan and a purpose for us this day. Father, we thank you for the book of Psalms. We thank you for Psalm 23. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to us and teach us through your word. We love your word. We embrace your word and we incline our ears this morning to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. 
Before we move on today, I just want to make clear a point from last week's message on verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He truly is the one who does the work of restoration. Yeah, I want to make this clear. What that looks like for us today, He does the work of restoration. But what that looks like for us today is that you must position yourself under the authority of the Word of God. In other words, you must maintain fellowship with Him. He does the work of restoration, but you must position yourself under the authority of the Word in order for the work of restoration to work in you. The shepherd cannot restore the sheep that are not in his presence. He can only do the work of restoration for the sheep that are among him, for the sheep that are in his presence, in fellowship with him. So while he's the one doing the work, you must position yourself again in his presence under the authority of his word in order for you to be restored. Moving on. So we've been speaking a lot about fear in the past few weeks and rightfully so the Bible has a lot to say about not being afraid. In fact, the Bible speaks about not being afraid and not being fearful uh, approximately 365 times. That is one fresh Bible verse each day to remind each of us not to be afraid. That's one verse a day that reminds us every morning when we wake up that we are not to walk in fear. And out of the 365 times the Bible speaks about not being afraid, probably 100% of those times fear would have been justified. That's why God says, do not be afraid, because there was an opportunity to be afraid. Fear would have been a natural response to the circumstances of the day. Many of the times in the Old Testament when the Bible says, fear not, people were going into actual, not symbolic, but actual physical battles. They were going into actual physical wars. And they would be up against real physical weapons that had the power to actually harm, that had the power to actually kill the physical body. So God tells his people during this time, do not be afraid, but there would have been reason to be afraid. So God says, fear not. Why? For I am with you. For if the Lord is my shepherd, in Psalm 23, 1, if the Lord is my light and my salvation, in Psalm 27 and verse 1, and if God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need in Psalm 46 and verse 1, then whom shall I fear? And of whom shall I be afraid? Therefore we will not fear, for you are with me. The shepherd is not leading us from a distance. He's not leading us from a distance, but he is with us. He is close to us. Christ put on human flesh. John 1 and verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling 
among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is with us. He put on human flesh. The Bible also speaks about God, speaks about Jesus. He identifies with us. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Yet he did not sin. He was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. The Lord is my shepherd in verse 1, and he is still a very present shepherd in verse 4. He is with us. Today we pick up and we meditate upon verse 4 and verse 4 alone. I was hoping to get through Psalm 23 in three weeks, but this is so rich. So today we're going to pick up and meditate on verse 4 alone. Uh, and then next week we will uh, break for Resurrection Sunday and then we'll come back up and uh, close the Psalms out the following week, God willing. So this week we focus on verse 4 alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We all want to worship the shepherd when he leads us to lie down in green pastures, the tender and abundant grass where there is plenty of provision. We all want to worship the shepherd when he leads us beside still waters, the places of calm, the, the choice waters that not only satisfy our thirst, but brings refreshment to our entire being. We all want to worship the shepherd when he leads us in the paths of righteousness, in the ways of justice and truth. He leads us on the right path as we are prone to wonder. We all want to worship that shepherd. But now we find ourselves in verse 4, and the very same shepherd that leads us to lie down in green pastures, and leads us beside the still waters, and leads us in the paths of righteousness. He is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. So now my question for you is this. If the very same shepherd that led you to lie down in green pastures and led you beside still waters and led you in the paths of righteousness, if he led you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, would you follow him? Would you still worship him? Would you still follow and worship this shepherd? Notice that I said if here. 
And the reason why I said if is because I want to be faithful to the text here, because the text doesn't specifically say that the shepherd is leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. Take a look at it. It doesn't specifically say that. It makes clear that he is with us. Absolutely. But the fact that he is with us does not determine that he led us. The text is very specific. Take a look at it in verses two and three. Very specific. That he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That he leads me beside still waters. And that he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And verse four could have easily said, he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. But it does not. That would have easily kept the continuity of the psalm. But there is a shift to the flow of the psalm in verse 4. And now all of a sudden it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, it could still mean that he is leading us. Absolutely. Or it could also mean that we ended up someplace where we shouldn't have been. Now, the Bible shows us both scenarios for the believer. And I'm going to share a few of those with you. Number one, Jesus was baptized, for example, at the end of Matthew chapter three. He was baptized, right? And it's amazing. Jesus goes into the water and we hear the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. We see the, the uh, perfect um, manifestation of the Trinity right there at the end of Matthew chapter 3. But then the end of Matthew chapter 3 is the baptism. The beginning of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, right after the baptism of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The very next verse, Matthew 4, 1 says this, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove at the end of Matthew chapter 3. That same spirit, after filling Jesus, immediately led him. And where exactly did it lead him? It led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's where the spirit led him. That was the will of God for Jesus. That was a part of his journey. That was a part of his, of his sanctification, of him setting himself apart as a man. The man Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that he grew, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. That he learned obedience through his sufferings and the spirit led him through 
the wilderness. And that is amazing. Number two, Jesus ministers to Peter in John chapter 21. And he says to Peter, he says this in verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Jesus is telling Peter that he will be led and he will go to places and he will go through things where there is absolutely no desire within him. He wouldn't take himself to those places. There's no desire within himself that will take him to those places, but there's one, the Spirit, that will take him and lead him to places where he does not want to go. The valley of the shadow of death. Number three, in Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul is exhorting the elders of the church of Ephesus. And he says to them in verses 22 through 24, he says these words. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. The valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. And you could be there by the will of the Spirit of God. You could be there by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But then we also have folks on the flip side that passed through the valley of the shadow of death in the Bible because of disobedience. Let me give you a few of those examples. One, Abraham. Abraham was never supposed to have Ishmael. That was the son of disobedience. Isaac was the promised son and there are still consequences that the world faces up until this day because of Abraham's disobedience. Number two, David, instead of being on the battlefield during the season when kings went to war, he stayed at home and he was idle. He was bored and he fixed his attention. He gazed upon a woman that was not his wife. He stayed at home because he was bored. He fixed his attention on a married woman and he committed many great sins because of this. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was at home, he was idle, and he did the wrong thing. And boy, did David pass through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible speaks about there was never peace in David's home. We see death and destruction and we see the falling apart of David's family. 
and there was never peace in his home because of his sin. And boy, did he pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Number three, Jonah. Jonah was disobedient to God. He was called to go to Nineveh, but he decided to go to Tarshish in the very opposite direction of God's will. So there was a storm that arose on the boat that threatened the very life of Jonah and also jeopardized the safety of everyone else on the boat. And so Jonah passed through the valley of the shadow of death. And he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. And he was there, not by the will of God. Remember that he was there, not by the will of God, but he was there because of his disobedience to God. But guess what? Abraham, David, and Jonah all have in common. Even in their disobedience, God himself was with them. Even in their disobedience, God himself, he was with them. He never left them, nor forsook them. He remained faithful to them even when they were unfaithful to him. Abraham, even after his mistakes, was known as the father of many nations. David, even after his sin, was known as a man after God's own heart. And Jonah, even after his deliberate and willful disobedience against God, God still used him covered him, protected him, and fulfilled his purpose through him. He started a great revival in the land of Nineveh, where all repented and turned to God. So, back to Psalm 23 and verse 4. So whether the Lord leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, or we end up there because we slipped, fell, or strayed. The main point is this. You are with me. Amen. The main point of the verse is this. However I got to the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. A few other lessons that we can learn from Psalm 23 and verse 4 here is this. You know, I used to think that it said, even if. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death for the longest time. I don't know why, but I used to think that it said that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it actually says means and is translated. Yes. When I walk through. Yea, though. Yes. When. Yes. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So in other words, we will all become acquainted with the valley known as the valley of the shadow of death. Whether we pass through there because of disobedience or whether we pass through there because that is exactly where the Spirit is leading us. We will all pass through there. We will all pass through the valley of the shadow 
of death. And I think sometimes on this journey of faith as a believer, we end up in the valley because of both. The great news, though, about the valley of the shadow of death, apart from our shepherd being with us, is that we are passing through. Praise God. We are passing through. We are walking through this valley. This valley is not unto death. It is seasonal, temporary, and it will change. You will come out on the other side of the valley. You will come out on the other side of the valley. Praise God. The valley of the shadow of death represents a place where you have an opportunity to be afraid. It clearly represents a place where you have a legitimate opportunity to be afraid. It is a place where death in some form or another is close enough to cast its shadow. The valley of the shadow of death represents a place of testing and trial. And it represents a place where death is close enough to cast its shadow. And it represents testing and trial. I want to ask you today, where has death cast its shadow on your life? Where has death cast its shadow on your life? Has death cast its shadow over your finances? Has it cast its shadow over your career? Has it cast its shadow over your health? Has it cast its shadow over your marriage, over your family? Where has death cast its shadow over you this morning? Where? And I want you to remember and I want you to be reminded of this. Wherever death has cast its shadow over you, I want you to remember that it is only a shadow. It is the shadow of death. It is the valley of the shadow of death, not the valley of death. I'm going to say that again. It is the valley of the shadow of death, not the valley of death. A shadow itself has no real substance. It's a silhouette. It's an outline. A shadow has no real substance. And the majority of the things that we fear and the anxieties that attack us in life are shadows. They are the what ifs of life. And if we could see the truth of it, the, the actual image in its actual form, we may laugh at the fact that we were duped into fear. Isaiah 14 and verse 16 speaks of when the eyes of the people are opened and they actually see the defeated Satan. And it says this, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this 
the man who made the earth stumble, who shook kingdoms. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the thing? Is this the thing? Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? If you see the defeated Satan as Christ has truly stripped him of his power in the life of the believer, you would be amazed at how pitiful he is. You would be amazed at how pitiful Satan truly is. Satan is the master shadow caster. Whatever your fears are, he creates and casts a shadow to match your fears and to amplify them. Most of our sufferings are imaginations and thoughts that we have not put in check or cast down. The Bible speaks about casting down vain imaginations. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, it is the valley of the shadow of death, not the valley of death. A shadow has no real substance. Listen, in the history of the world, my friends, in the history of the world, no one has ever been killed by the shadow of a gun. In the history of the world, no one has ever been wounded by the shadow of a blade. No one has ever been bitten by the shadow of a serpent. No one has ever crashed into the shadow of a car. And no one has ever been torn down by the shadow of a tongue. I think you get the point. The battle of spiritual warfare sometimes only exists within the mind. Selah. The battle of spiritual warfare sometimes only exists within the mind. The battle of spiritual warfare must first be won in the mind. A man that doesn't believe that he can be set free will never be set free. A woman that doesn't believe that she can be set free will never be set free. The children of Israel never saw the promised land because of a shadow because of a lie. God gave them the land and he told them to possess it. But when they went out and spied the land, they saw giants in the land and they were afraid. And so they missed out on the blessing of God. And only Joshua and Caleb, the ones who believed that God could truly, that they could truly conquer the land with and through God, they were the only ones who entered into the promised land with the next generation. They knew that God was with them and they did not believe the lie of the shadow.
Remember this. If there is a shadow, then there has to be a light. Take great comfort in that. If there is a shadow, then there has to be a light. For the Lord is my light and my salvation, and He is with me. For you are with me, and that makes all the difference in the world. Fear has a way of whispering into our ears lies about who God is. Isaiah 41 and verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, verse 2 and 3, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you through the rivers. They shall not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is with you. Psalm 23 and verse 4. And that makes all the difference in the world. I shared this example with you guys in the past, but a young lady who is afraid to walk through an alleyway late at night. And this is just an example that I'm giving to you guys. This is not an encouragement for young ladies to walk through dark alleys late at night. But a young lady who is terrified to walk through a dark alley at night because of the fears of what could happen in that alleyway. So she takes the long route and she makes the journey home. She will not walk through uh, because of fear. However, if you take the, the same young lady and you place a police officer by her side. It could be the same hour of the night. It could, it's still midnight. It's the same alleyway. Uh, it's still dark. But now all of a sudden, that same lady, that same hour, that same alleyway would pass through that alley with confidence and without fear because there's a police officer by her side. And what is that saying? What is she saying about that police officer? She believes that that police officer has the power to protect her. She believes, she believes that that police officer cares for her. That that police officer has the power to protect her and he cares enough to do it. So she will pass through the same alleyway without fear. I want you to understand and I want to remind you and I want to drill this point today in verse 4 for he is with you. And when he is with you, there is no room for fear. The knowledge of a person that cares for you, the knowledge of a protector by your side eliminates fear. I fear no evil, harm or injury of any kind, either from falling or going astray or from wild beasts or robbers, for thou art 
with me. The companionship of the trusted shepherd does not allow room for any kind of fear. It doesn't allow room. Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 40 when Jesus is with his disciples on the boat our children's leaders uh, James and Danielle did a great uh, job with that video last week uh, Mark Mark 4 excuse me Mark 4:35 through through 40 and in Mark 4 you see the disciples they are on the boat and they end up in a storm and it's a terrible storm and Jesus is asleep on the boat. And just one thing I want to say real briefly uh, about that is the fact that had they realized, had they been aware, had they remembered that Jesus, the one who loves and cares for them, he was actually on the boat with them, they would have known that it's impossible for their boat to sink with Jesus on it. I understand that they were in a, in, a, in a real circumstance, in a dangerous place. I'm not taken away from that. But I also understand that Jesus was on the boat. So if Jesus is on the boat, it is impossible for your boat to sink. For thou art with me. And when you forget that he's with you, there's room for all kinds of fears. But when you remember that he's with you, he casts out fear. And there's no room and there's no place for fear. Not only are you with me, you have prepared, you are prepared and equipped for the journey. Not only is he with me, but he's prepared and equipped for the journey. It says here, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod for giving blows in defense. The staff for support in walking. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Our shepherd has everything that he needs everything that he needs our great shepherd is equipped our great shepherd has stripped satan of his power he has the the tools he is the he is the son of god he has everything that we need he has it I, you know i have less confidence in a police officer that has no gun that has no taser that has uh, no handcuffs that has uh, no walkie-talkie. I have less confidence in him. But our shepherd has everything that we need. He has it. The shepherd's rod was used for protection against enemies and wild animals. The rod represents power and authority. Notice that the rod and staff does not belong to the sheep, but rather to the shepherd. The power and authority that we have as sheep is contained within the shepherd. Our power exists within the shepherd. Our power is found in him. Uh, the sheep has absolutely, if you know anything about sheep, the sheep has absolutely no defense 
of its own. It doesn't have sharp teeth. It can't hurt you by ramming into you. It has no claws or hoofs. It's not agile and, and it's not fast. The, the sheep has absolutely no defense. But Jesus said in Luke 10 and verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The shepherd backs up the authority of the sheep. The, the staff was usually about five or six feet long with a crook in it. And it was used to handle the sheep, to deal with the sheep. The shepherd would use it to prod the sheep and to get it moving. And the crook to draw the sheep in closer to himself when it was necessary. So just like the work of the Holy Spirit was the work of the staff, he prods us and he hooks us and he draws us close to himself. The Holy Spirit, he prods us and he draws us close for intimacy with him. The Spirit of God will lead you and he will direct you into all truth. And he is with you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And again, this is just like the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He gives us gentle nudges and he gets us to do certain things. He sends us out into the world. You know, the Bible says that we are to be a sheep in the midst of wolves. And let me tell you this, that, that, uh, that when the sheep come, uh, the, the wolf is never threatened by the sheep. And when we uh, approach people in, in evangelism and, and, and in ministry, that's how we are supposed to come. We are supposed to come uh, to them uh, gently. Uh, we are supposed to come to them in, in a way where they even underestimate us. But then the power of the Spirit is, is within us. But we go out, He sends us out as sheep uh, in the midst uh, of wolves. He sends us out. But He protects us and He keeps us and He covers us. And this is also for, again, the work of evangelism. That when we go out, um, that, that we don't go out in, in a manner that is, that is threatening uh, and they never truly uh, see us coming. But we are, especially in this season, to be speaking uh, the word of life and speaking the word uh, of truth. So as a sheep, you are under the care of the great shepherd and may you take great comfort in that. He loves you and he died for you. Now Jesus also became a sheep. He became a sheep. He's the, the great shepherd became a sheep in order to, to win the sheep. He identified with the sheep as we read earlier. He was tempted in every way as we are. He put on human flesh. In other words, he became the Lamb of God. He became a sheep. And he laid his life down willfully, willingly for you and for I. And he says, listen, 
If you believe that you are a lost sheep, if you need hope for the journey, if you need hope in life, if you are hopeless, if you are lost, if you are fearful, and if you are afraid, then he says, come to me. Come to me. And I will, and I will in, by no means cast you out. But he receives all who comes to him. See, if you recognize today that you are a sinner, that you are fallen, that you are lost, that you need a savior, I want you to know that Jesus Christ paid the perfect price for you. And he says, just call upon me. Just call upon me. And I will deliver you. And I will answer you. And I will receive you. So I encourage you to, to do that today, to trust in the great shepherd and to call upon him today for today is the day of salvation and tomorrow is not promised father we thank you for psalm 23 and verse 4 today we thank you that yeah i walk through we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we will fear no evil for you are with us your rod and your staff it comforts us your rod and your staff, it comforts us. Lord, we bless you today. We magnify you and we worship you. And I pray, Lord, that we would rest. We would rest, Father, today, that we would rest in this season. May we truly rest, Lord, and adopt a posture of faith. It is impossible, Lord, for us to really be afraid if we know that you are with us. There are many opportunities for us in this season and in this very hour to be afraid, but we know that you are with us, Lord, and you cast out all fear. We love you, Lord, we bless you, we magnify you, and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.